What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. Do we want to compare bylines? How many? Harry Horn. We're supposed to keep this thing moving, be fresh. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Yes, and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket, in studio today with Barry Horn and Kevin Sherrington. And we need to talk some Dallas Cowboys football because we're in the, uh, I guess, uh, the second full week of practice, uh, padded practice at camp. And we're coming off the heels of a Hall of Fame weekend as Jerry Jones was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And on our phone right now, fellas, is John Machota of the Dallas Morning News. John, thanks for the time today. And uh, off the top, how does one spend $16 million on a party for themselves? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was just $10 million, actually. But, you know, well, it's, there's all kinds of numbers. Yeah, you've, heard, you've heard a lot of numbers. I, I'm going with 16. How do you spend that much, that much dough? I, have, I really have no idea. You know, I, I, the estimates are that Justin Timberlake was four million, and so I guess that's a good start right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know with Jerry Jones. I feel like he found out how much A. DeBartolo and some of these other people spent on their parties, right. and was just willing to top it at any at all costs. So if it meant uh, you know some some more expensive cocktail napkins or uh, a little bit more booze, I think Jerry Jones was going to do whatever it took. And I don't think it was just Jerry by himself. I think it was his entire family, especially you know. Charlotte Jones Anderson too that helped put this party on, but you know we knew all along that's what he was going to do. He was going to try and top everybody else's party that they've ever had, and I think he succeeded. And I don't know if anybody else will ever be able to match that unless they can get a better performer. So um, good luck with that. I just know from everything I've heard of people that went to some of the other parties that were the were the following night. You know, all of them paled in comparison. Uh, so I guess you kind of were one of those players, and you showed up at Jerry Jones' party. You're pretty much your rest of your weekend was kind of but, ruined. But can a party be too big, too many people there? I, I understand there was a VIP section, then there was a fringe section, and the food was, uh, I was told today, was skimpy. <laughs> people complaining about the food at a party. Skimpy. Skimp, no, they couldn't find food at, food at the party. And But here's my question to you, John. You're an Oxnard. You know Jerry. Do you really think Jerry wrote a check or took took $10 million out of his own pocket to pay for the party. Probably not. I bet you Charlotte handled that. You know, I, I, don't, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Does, at, at the end of the day, does, is Jerry really a huge Justin Timberlake fan? I mean, that's the key piece right there. You can, I mean, there was, a, there was tons of, you know, over-the-top things that went on there, that entrance that you walked into, and it had the JJ on the floor with all the uh, lights around it. I mean, for that just to be something temporary, that looked like an entrance to a permanent entrance to a club. I mean, they okay, I, and I understand that, and that's all great, but it's really getting Justin Timberlake that puts you over the top. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't see just, I don't think Jerry Jones is just listening to Justin Timberlake albums. I think it was the, hey, if we get this guy, this is something that, you know, all ages can all, you know, get behind and they'll be excited about, and that's what everyone's going to talk about. He doesn't have Justin Timberlake at that party. I don't think it's anywhere near this, this level that it's been portrayed to, regardless of how much money he spent on it. But, I didn't surprise me about people like talking about how there wasn't food. I mean, the Joneses. I mean, that party is going to be about the drinks. I mean, if you, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you're not if you're not in it to have any cocktails, then don't even waste your time going there. 
all the barrels of Johnny Walker Blue flowing about. But I think Jerry, even though he's a Hall of Famer, I think he's still too old to bring Sexy back. I don't even think that's even possible for him at this age. But uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame, before we get into some nuts and bolts football things, Jimmy Johnson was referenced uh, a couple times in Jerry's speech Saturday night. So was Barry Switzer. So was Barry Switzer. But in uh, the topic of Jimmy... Is there now a groundswell? Is there at least more talk or more of a push to maybe get Jimmy Johnson into the Pro Football Hall of Fame among, amongst the voters? I think there's a little bit more talk about it. I, I think that there's still the problem of you know how long he coached, and and for a lot of people, that's going to be one of the you know that's going to be one of the things that holds him back is that he didn't uh, coach long enough. I guess I, I mean, but, but, but in terms of oh, going, but John, don't you think? Uh, Terrell Davis helps helps that cause out. How long did he play? Well, and, and that's the one, too. You know, Terrell Davis, Gil Thayers. But you guys know it's always different for every different position, every different player, every every person, every contributor. Um, you know how it is with quarterbacks. There's quarterbacks that have had great uh, careers, but they didn't win the big game, so you know that they're not going to get in there. So, you know, it, it's, it's tough to really predict if these guys are going to get in or not. I think the first step for Jimmy would obviously have to be getting into the ring of honor. I mean, that seems like a layup. Uh, that that would eventually happen, but you know uh, him being at this and, and you know presenting Jason, Jason Taylor and, and you know obviously him and uh, Jerry, you know it seemed like they were both having a good time. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you that helps, uh, but I just I don't I'm not sitting there saying guaranteeing that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think there's any question that that Jimmy tries to make nice with Jerry because he knows I have to get in the Ring of Honor before I got a chance to get Is in the Jerry Hall, in the but... Ring of Honor. No, right. What does that got to do with it? Well, he said, he said you have to be in the Ring of Honor. <laughs> but Jerry's in charge of the Ring of Honor. He's the ring master. No, what people but, are saying is if Jerry, you don't, if other voters are saying, Jerry, if you don't think Jimmy even belongs in your Ring of Honor, why would we even vote for him for the Hall of Fame? You know, first of all. And secondly, I give much, when you bring up Terrell Davis, I give much more credence to players than coaches. You know, to me, it's easier to skate in a little bit like our, our pal Barry Switzer did. Win a Super Bowl and then get but out. But Jimmy, Jimmy didn't skate in. No, he didn't skate in. He was listen. He was terrific. He I made the think. sausage. He did all the work. It, there's no question about that. But of course, now he did get the benefit of that great trade, right? Because mm-hmm. what happened in Miami? Basically, nothing. Nothing. Nothing happened in Miami. So he's like he didn't want it, and and Jimmy didn't want to risk that. He didn't want to keep going at it. Didn't want to. I, I think we can talk all we want to about Jimmy. We're just ready to go to the keys and, and no. you know, get rid of things. It wasn't working out. It wasn't it was working out. That's a, that was a large part of it. Why why tarnish my reputation? I mean, my point was I didn't think he should come. He should have come back to Miami. Should have just left. That would have been it. But it, but anyway, my point is is that when when a guy's out there and he's landing on the line like Terrell Davis is a running back and he's taking the shots and he's still great. To me, that counts for a lot more than a coach. I mean, as far as getting in the Hall of Fame, but I just—I'll just say this, and we'll let it go because Jimmy was more than a coach on that team. He—he he built that team. He did, yes. And, and that was a, that was a pretty good team. It was. It was a great team, and they went on to win another Super Bowl. Should have, maybe, should have won two more. Uh, you know, but but he was not. I, here to I, do I that. would have no problem with him being in. I just I know the way the voting process goes, and there's certain. You know benchmarks that have gone on for a long time, and I just don't see the the voters going against what they've gone in the past. And I just think that there's a lot of other people that got a chance to get in over him. But if he got in, I don't think that I don't think anybody that saw those '90s Cowboys would think that it's ridiculous. No, I think that you know, he's scandal. one of the great architects of one of of, of a dynasty team. Right. Well, John, we're about to hit the second of five preseason games as they play the Rams in L.A. this coming week. We had one this past week, uh, the Hall of Fame game against the Cardinals, and 
it's really hard to have takeaways from something like this, considering the bulk of the starters did not play. But I'm sure you were on uh, on hand or at least watched it. What do you see from this defense that gave up a couple of scoring drives to Blaine Gabbard and company? And what are you seeing out there in camp that uh, might give some Cowboys fans some concerns heading into this year with uh, the, the revamp look of the defense? Well, you guys know how it is with these training camp practices now. It's, it's not real physical. I mean, they have their, t- their moments, their certain plays here and there, where they, but they're not even tackling to the ground. I mean, I've always said, at least since I've been covering this team the last four or five years, it's really just the number one goal at camp is getting through this thing healthy. So you don't really get to see a lot of stuff from the offensive line. You know, we're constantly being asked, what does the offensive line look like? Well, they're not really, nobody's really, there's not a serious pass rush or anything like that. And, and all five of these guys that are supposed to be the starters aren't going to be working together until you finally get into uh, a preseason game where all five of them are out there together. And, and I don't think we'll even see that uh, against the Rams on Saturday. So uh, it's the same thing with the defense, you know. So they came out in the, in, in the Hall of Fame game and they were a little stagnant. They, you know, they were slow to the ball. I mean, they just, they weren't making plays, but. I'm not that surprised by it because they really aren't. They're not hitting and doing those type of things in practice. I mean, it it really is one of those deals where you really won't know until these preseason games are over with. And with them having five, they're not going to be they're not going to be putting their starters out there for all these games. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys know how it is with it. It's really that second from last game is where you're gonna is the only one you're really going to get a good feel for anything out of. So, um, you know what we see out here in, in camp, you know, is basically you know shirts and shorts, and yeah, they put on pads and things like that, but they're really not trying to tackle anybody on the ground or do anything like that other than when they go into these goal line drills. So there's only so much we're able to tell out here from the defense, but the way they started in that game and then from talking to players and coaches uh, yesterday, they were clearly not happy with the effort the way they started that game, uh, even though if, if, and if hey, watching that game, you probably thought Blaine Gabbard, hey, maybe he's going to have something <laughs> left in the tank. I'd, I'd just pump the brakes on that a little yeah, bit. Really. Do, you, do you expect to see anybody on the field – uh, this coming Saturday, that was that did not play in the Hall of Fame game. I could see the first series um, potentially. Maybe you maybe you put out like a Travis Frederick or a Zach Martin, maybe a couple of the other offensive linemen, just to see them work a little bit more with Jonathan Cooper or Byron Bell or some of these other guys. Um, but even like Dak Prescott, I don't see a reason why you would put him out there. I certainly don't see Ezekiel Elliott being out there. I don't see Des Bryant being out there. So I think it's again going to be a lot more of Kellen Moore running with the. Uh, first-team offense, and then on defense, you know, I mean, there's been talk of, of potentially putting Jalen Smith out there for a few plays, but I think they'll still, still even wait uh, past that. I don't think that he'll end up going in this game either. So this is really like their first preseason game. Uh, if you go by in the past, so their first or their four, and if you look at what Jason Garrett's done as a head coach, in that first preseason game, he generally doesn't play many starters, and if he does, it's only for a play or two. So- so, you know, so now, the, now the question oh, you, is: ahead, Can I have a, ask a question? Thank you very much. Okay, is, uh, I'll ask a good question. At yeah, up. yeah. There you go. Uh, now the question for me is, and I think for most fans, we hear that the possibility that Jalen Smith will play in the game this week. What do you think of the odds of that? I think he just answered. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think they're great. Um, and if they, if he did, I think it would only be on on a few plays, and it would be on first and second down situations. I think. From what we've seen from Jalen Smith, the big takeaway for me is that he's at his best when he's had a couple days off. So like yesterday's practice, he's coming off of four days off. He looked really good. And when he's going downhill, he looks like he's showing signs of of the old Jalen Smith, the the pre-knee injury Jalen Smith. The part where I think he still has a a little bit of room to grow is the kind of dropping back into coverage and having to turn laterally and cut up field and things like that. When he's got to go downhill, he looks really good. And... 
I think you could get him in on first and second down situations, but I don't think you want him on the field right now uh, on third and longs and things like that where you know, you're going to be asking him to turn and run and cut up field and things like that. I don't think he's quite there yet, but from what we've seen in practices, him, him being out here already for five padded practices of the first seven starts surprised me, and that's clearly because of what he's shown. If he was struggling and he was having a lot of pain the next day or, or he just wasn't you know, improving, they wouldn't have him out there that much. I, I think he's exceeded their expectations up to this point, and I think he's at a point where he could play in the game. I just think that they're being extremely cautious with him, and so that's why I would lean toward that he won't be out there. Is he still wearing that device on his foot? He is. He said that he's been able to do some things without it. Now, that stuff that he's doing without it is when we're not out there, that's not during any practice session or walkthrough. Every, every practice and walkthrough we've seen, he's had it on. And it's a, it's a little bit difficult to, to see because they tape it up, and uh, uh, he's generally wearing pants, like where most guys are wearing uh, shorts he's wearing kind of like wind pants so it's really it's it's difficult to, to detect if he's wearing it but every every price i've seen him out there he's still wearing it but he says that it's to the point now where he's able to do a little bit of stuff without it and that he believes that it can progress to the point where he can he'll be able to one day play without it john i wanted to ask you something about jalen smith <laughs> oh sorry that that that, that was kevin uh, no, but I want to ask you. It seems that the, the hot name or, or the trendy name in this camp is Rico Gathers, and uh, oh, Kevin, you you you, you made a face. You know, I, you I did not make it. Just no more different face than what I usually make when you say uh, something. All right. Well, 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 you think he'll be part of this team when they break camp? He'll be part of the team. I just don't think that uh, people should be expecting him to be when they go to two tight end sets. It's going to be him and Witten this season. I still think he's a he's a year away from that where I think he can help them and he can contribute is kind of how you saw in that preseason game as a pass catcher in a red zone situation like that, almost a little bit like they used Gavin Escobar. Oh, I was glad to hear that. <laughs> Boy, talk, that's gonna... not promising for, for Cowboys fans to hear you mention I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm backing out of it. <laughs> well, he has big shoes to fill. Yeah. yeah. He's, I, I don't wanna, I'm not comparing him to Gavin Escobar because they have a different style. Gavin Escobar was more of a speed guy. Uh, but Gavin Escobar also, though, to me, was a little bit of a basketball player on a football field. And, but Rico's got a better size, whereas, like, Gavin Escobar in this scheme, you just knew was never going to be the type of blocker that, you know, Swain, Hannah, and Witten are. I could, I could see Rico getting there. I, it just, he needs to put in the time just because he, he spent so much time away from football and then to jump back in at the NFL level. It's, it's difficult to ask him all of a sudden to play at this elite level in all, you know, facets. But... As a pass catcher, I think he's ready to contribute right away. I, I, I don't think that there's any reason why you wouldn't want to put him out there in, in some red zone situations, even if you don't throw it to him, just for the uh, defense to have to, you know, they, they have to, you have to take count for a guy like that with that size and, and that catching ability and athleticism. So, yeah, I think he makes the team, and, and I think that there are situations where they will be able to get him involved. John, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball, if you don't mind. And there's so much talk about how good this offensive line is, and whether Zeke's suspended or not, which we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, you know, anybody can run behind this line. Well, there's some changes. There's some moving parts up front. You've got Ronald Leary now in Denver. Uh, Lyle Collins moves out to right tackle, and now there's this sort of, I don't know, gaggle of dudes at left guard, be it Chaz Green, who's kind of nicked up right now with a shoulder, uh, Jonathan Cooper, and now Byron Bell splitting first-team snaps with him. What can you tell us about Bell, and how do you see that evolving as camp camp rolls on? Well, they want a competition at left guard because that's really the last missing piece there. And, and you know, Stephen Jones has mentioned a couple times that it could even be moving Lyle Collins back there, but 
that's not happening. Lyle Collins is the right tackle. I think those other four positions uh, are, are clearly set. I just that left guard spot is the one that's still kind of a mystery. Now Byron Bell did go. With, he got first team reps yesterday, but that I think had a lot to do with Joe Looney not being able to go with the second team, and so they don't have another center. And so Jonathan Cooper is the backup center, so they needed Jonathan Cooper to run with the second team. That we saw that during OTAs and minicamp is that. Cooper was getting a lot of time as the second-team center because they need they need the versatility there because you're only going to have eight guys probably active on Sundays. So uh, your backups on the offensive line are going to have to play multiple positions. So basically what I'm getting to is that I think it will be Jonathan Cooper. I mean, I know they're working in Byron Bell. Chaz Green, you know, the upside's there. When he's been healthy, he's shown signs that he can be a starter in the NFL. It just He's rarely been healthy, and, and it's been several different injuries, so until he shows that he can be out there for a long period of time, I don't, I don't think that you can pencil him in as a starter quite yet. So I think Jonathan Cooper is, is the most likely candidate, and I know he hasn't had the NFL career that people were thinking because of you know, obviously being a top-ten pick, and you expect him to come in and, and, and be a major player for, you know, he thought he, he said the other day, I asked somebody, he thought he'd finish his whole career playing in Arizona. I mean, he's the seventh pick overall in the 2013 draft, but... Even if you, even though you don't live up to that, I think when you put yourself around four guys that are all pretty much perennial, well, three three perennial All Pro guys, and Lyle Collins, the guy that, who could play at that level, you know, I, I just think that a lot of guys could fit into that situation and, and have some success, even if they didn't earlier in their career. And the line is solid, but it is, it is frustrating to see a guy like Chaz Green, who they, I believe, they poured a third round pick on. That's correct. And, and just to ta- see him as a tackle too, right? and to see yes. him not really pan out yet. And I know there's injury concerns there, and and that's you know that's understandable, but. And that's a that's a relatively high pick to to get pretty much nothing out of. Well, and, Cowboys and, and are used to that. Don't worry. True. Yeah. He fits. He fits exactly kind of what I was saying about the the backup situation where he'd be the perfect guy to have, even if he wasn't starting, because he does have the ability to play both tackles and both guard spots. So if you did get in a situation early in a game where you lost a guy and he was out for the rest of it, you you feel at least confident if if Chaz Green is healthy that he could step in it and at least be solid at one of those positions. It just you don't know if he's going to be healthy because he just hasn't been healthy for a long, a long enough period of time during his Cowboys career. I mentioned it a minute ago. Let's talk Zeke. Uh, I guess the NFL still dragging their feet on this decision. There's been an open investigation for over a year now. We've had some public comments uh, recently. Jerry on Friday said that he doesn't think there's going to be a suspension. Uh, Steven talked to reporters out at camp yesterday and basically gave his opinion and how he would like some clarity on the situation. Is this the week, now that the Hall of Fame is out of the way, that we're going to get word from the NFL? You know, I think it's got to be. I mean, there's no reason not to have something come down this week. I, I understand why they didn't want to do it, you know, in, in the previous week, especially with, you know, Jerry Jones going in the Hall of Fame, and, and they didn't want to take away from that. And So I can understand why you would do that. But there has to be something that comes down soon because you have to give the player a chance to appeal it if there is a suspension. And the way that this thing's going, it's not giving him much time. Because I always, I, the big thing with me is, I've thought all along he's going to get a game or two. Maybe he gets two, and then he and then he appeals, and it gets down to one. But either way, when he's getting a chance to appeal this, then he's still going to be allowed to play in games. So is it one of these deals where you know he starts the first couple games, which they have a tough schedule to start the season, and then he serves his suspension in like week three or week four? I mean, there's still a lot to be determined with this whole thing, but it all starts with finally coming down with a decision, and I think it's got to be this week. I don't see how they can wait any longer unless, you know, Zeke was to get in trouble out here in in California or something like that, and you know if that happened, that that it would just drag this thing out even longer. And it'll probably happen as soon as we hit stop on the recording of this podcast. That news will come down and this will all be irrelevant. Are, 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 Are 
Are you aware of any precautions the Cowboys are taking out there in, in Oxnard with him to make sure this, to try and make sure this doesn't happen? Nothing bad happens? None. None. They're, they're, I, I haven't seen anything, haven't heard about anything at all. I mean, from all, I, than all I've heard, he's, you know, been laying low right now. I mean, he's very aware that what, you know, what's going on. I mean, he, he won't, he won't talk to us right now. He, I almost, we get the feeling here as, as reporters, it's almost like it's our fault this is going on, but like, he won't even, there's been people that have tried to ask him questions, and he just won't even respond. Like, this is when he's signing autographs after. And, uh, and it, it was, it's a little surprising to me because, you know, last year he was facing uh, a lot of the same stuff, and he said right off the bat, like, you know, I'll talk, but I, I'm not going to answer anything other than football questions. And I know you guys are aware that players do that from time to time, and I thought that's what would happen in this camp, but, you know, we're entering week three here. We still haven't heard anything from him. So, uh, but no, I haven't heard about any, like, special you know, arrangements or anything that the Cowboys are doing uh, off the field at all. You know, uh, speaking of that running back situation there, there's some questions about, you know, uh, who's going to be behind. Let's say Zeke is suspended. That Who would be – does that mean that McFadden is going to be starting in, the, in uh, against the Giants in game one? It would be McFadden. And I think another uh, kind of domino that would fall there is that it would lock Alfred Morrison in being on the team. I think they would uh, – I think if, if Zeke doesn't get suspended, I don't think Alfred Morris makes the 53 just because really? he just, for being a third back, he just doesn't, you know, fit kind of what they need as a third back. They need a guy that's a little more versatile that can play in special teams and things like that, and that's not really Alfred Morris. So as good as he looked in that preseason game, and I know that some people will be surprised that he wouldn't be on the 53, but if Zeke doesn't get suspended, I don't think that happens. If Zeke does get suspended, I think they keep Alfred Morris, and then, yeah, Darren McFadden uh, will be your starter and uh, for as long as whatever, you know, that uh, the suspension is. And then Rod Smith's another guy, Jalen Smith's brother, who he's really improved a lot. He came in as a fullback uh, a year ago, and, and he made the team, uh, made the first, you know, 53 as a fullback, and now he's kind of been doing a little bit of everything. He's more of a running back now, so he can be running back, fullback, play special teams. So uh, I think there's a great chance of uh, him making the squad, and I think that he would be the guy that they would keep uh, over Alfred Morris. Could they trade Alfred Morris? Could could they broker a deal? I, I, I think they've been open to that. You know, you know, we've we've heard you know through sources that that's something that they looked at. Uh, you know, around draft time. But I fear well, what could they get? Price, what, what what would he bring? That's the thing. Like, what would you really get out of a sixth round pick? You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's a guy that when he was a free agent a couple of years ago, it's not like he was just scooped up early on. I mean, the, the Cowboys got him after I think it was after the second week of free agency. It wasn't like there was a high demand for him, but. You know, he like I said, he looked good in that preseason game. Yes, he, he did. As he's a great, he's a great team guy. Um, he, he's he's a great guy behind the scenes. He's a, he's a good guy to have on your roster, and he is a guy that's run for a thousand yards in the NFL. And and I do believe he still has some tread on this tire. So if it's not with the Cowboys and they do they do cut him, I would be stunned if he doesn't make it onto another roster because I just feel like there has to be a spot for a guy like him. But the big thing with Alfred Morris is that. He just isn't a guy that you're going to give two, three, four carries to. Like, that's not when he's at his best. I mean, he is a guy that you're going to have to give, you know, 10, 12, 15 carries to, and there's just not those carries to be given out in this offense. You know, the, the most shocking thing when I, w- I watched the game on TV, the uh, Hall of Fame game, because that's what I do. I watch games on TV. Chris, Col- Chris Collinsworth said the Cowboys had a star wide receiver. He in, is a star. That is the quote. In Bryce. Butler, yeah. Does, does this come as a shock to the Cowboys and, and to people around the team? 
you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's quite at star level. I think that you can tell by the contract that they gave him. It's still kind of almost like a prove it rookie type deal. So I think they still want to see it. Uh, kind of tying in with the Alfred Morris thing there. Yeah, he looked good in that preseason game, just like Morris did. But it just there's, I don't see him jumping Terrence Williams on the depth chart. I don't see him jumping Des Bryant. You know, so they're just as long as Terrence Williams and Des Bryant are healthy. There just isn't going to be a lot of room to get him in there with Cole Beasley, and then we're trying to work in Ryan Switzer too. Really, the reason they added Butler was when when Des went down a couple years ago, and he kind of plays a similar position to Des. So what he really brings you is, is just great depth. That if one of your receivers, one of your outside receivers, were, were to go down, that you'd be in pretty good position because he is a guy that if you just follow the last few years of his career, he has improved every year. I just don't know if I would say he's quite ready to be a star yet. Well, I mean, he's got. The, I'm sure. What you know? Listen, I respect Chris Collinsworth's opinion. As, who was a, a who, who was, was a wide receiver and a, and a pretty a, good and, one and a star receiver. He was really good. Uh, you you look at Bryce Butler. He's big. He's fast. You know, he gets separation. That's that's not the question for me. It is not the physical stuff at all. It's the mental stuff. You know, it's just he he, he just seems like he checks out of games and and makes mistakes and and does things. He should have already fulfilled that promise that he has he shows. Physically, I'm not saying that he won't, and I'm not saying he, he couldn't be a star because it's all right there. He's got to stay healthy too. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy. It's all right there. All the, the whole he's the whole package physically. I just think what's to me what's holding him back is the mental side of it and the mistakes that he has made. And sometimes not. I'm not sure he really understands the mistakes he's made. I think the the big thing with him is with a lot of receivers is that you know you, whether you're a star in high school or college, like every level you go up. You know, it's just not like running back where, well, I know I'm getting my touches. Like, you can be in a good offense with other big-time receivers, and there's going to be times in games where the ball doesn't come your way for a whole quarter, quarter and a half, two quarters. I mean, that's even happened to Des Bryant, and I think that's been a kind of a problem for him too. You know I mean? I do think that there's a little bit of, of luck involved at, at the professional level in, in all sports of, of just getting into a, the right situation that kind of fits you. And I don't think that it's happened yet for Bryce Butler because I do think that there are other teams that he'd be on. He would be obviously be a starter and he could play at a high level. It just with this offense, it just you're not gonna you're just not gonna go to Bryce Butler over Des Bryant or, or Cole Beasley or Jason Witten or Ezekiel Elliott who they're trying to get involved more in the passing game. So there's just there's only so many so many players that you can get involved in offense and really the way that he's gonna have to take you know, advantage is if he gets a chance to go out there, it's when the defense forgets about him, and then that's when he's got to capitalize. It's, it's very similar to what Terrence Williams brings. It just, you know, on another team, I think Terrence Williams could be, uh, you know, a really good wide receiver, and, and I think he's a good receiver for the Cowboys, but he just doesn't get the opportunities that he gets on, on other teams. It's just not going to happen. All right, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. I, I saw some comments made by uh, Brian Broaddus. Uh, every, everybody here knows Brian, and a uh, really good guy, and, and uh, really knows his stuff. And he was asked specifically about Taco Charlton and I believe the 16 snaps he got in that Hall of Fame game, which from what I could tell, and you just watch it on TV and you don't really get to see a lot of just one guy. It's hard to hard to just look at one guy. He didn't do very much, and he certainly didn't impress uh, Rod Marinelli, and he certainly didn't impress Brian Broaddus. Uh, what, what has been uh, your take so far of Taco Charlton? Well, I guess it all comes with expectations, and if you, you know, thought that he was going to be because he's a first-round pick, he's going to come in and, and, and be a star right away. Then, yeah, I, I never thought that, that was going to happen anyway. If, if that was the case, he wouldn't have lasted past 15. I mean, there's pass rushers aren't going to fall, you know, past that even probably the top 10 if you think they're going to come in and make an impact right away. I, I've always thought that Taco Charlton was going to be a guy that would come in 
and be solid, and he would be, you know, maybe, you know, four or five sacks in his first couple of years, and, and then maybe by his third or fourth year, that's when you, you know, kind of stepped up and played at his highest level. That's kind of how he was in college. I mean, he really turned it on his senior year at Michigan, and then really elevated, and, and what really helped his draft stock was those last few games against Ohio State, Florida State, um, so I think that it's one of those deals where I just really I didn't expect him to come in and beat Demarcus Ware. And you know when you're on social media, you hear people say that because you know that's the, really the last time they've spent a, a pretty high pick like that on, on, on a pass rusher. I just don't see him being that type of guy making that impact early on. I, I think his career, the the arc on his career is, is going to be a lot more similar to another guy that was taken around that that time, and that's Byron Jones, where you know he's going to have some plays where you know you can see why he was a first round pick early on but I don't think that you're going to see him completely mature into the NFL player he's going to be for another two, three seasons. And it's all about not getting discouraged early in your career. If he can do that or not, then, then he's got a chance. But, yeah, I, I just I think that there's at least three or four guys in this team that will have more sacks than Taco Charles. What are you seeing from Charles Tapper early on out in camp? Fastest guy that they have coming off the edge. I mean, his speed is – it really stands out to you to the point where you're almost like on some plays you're like, is he the only one that's going really hard and is everybody else just kind of going through practice mode? I mean, his speed is, is clearly there, and, and I know he didn't get a chance to show it off as much as he'd like uh, at Oklahoma, but you just see what, what he did at the Combine. And he was the fastest lineman there, right? Yeah, yeah, and if, if he's able to stay healthy and show that off, I mean, he's a guy, especially early on, you're, you're going to start off this season with David Irving uh, suspended and Demontre Moore suspended. I mean, Charles Tapper's got a chance right off you know, the get to be uh, an impact player for them, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities. But you know, he's a guy who had some like Stephen Jones said it was it was leg and hip tightness yesterday, and so he left practice early. And you know, he missed all of last season with the back, and so uh, it, it's kind of almost like the Chaz Green thing, where you're just like, yeah, if he's out there, you know, you feel like you you feel pretty confident about the player, but it's just like, is he going to be out there? Um, so if he can overcome the injuries, I think Charles Tapper is one of those guys that you know he could be a five six sack guy. Um, with this team, but you know he's got to stay healthy and be out there. But you no, know, the speed jumps off uh, off the charts as soon as you see him; it, it just stands out. So give give us the starting de- defensive line, or the, the not necessarily the starters because they love running out. But who will be the impact, or will there be any impact players against the Giants on the defensive line? Yeah, I think number one for me is going to be uh, Malik Collins, the the three technique defensive tackle that uh, I thought he had a, a pretty good rookie year and. Uh, you know, he had five sacks, he was second on the team, and I think he's got a chance to get, uh, I, I think there's a decent chance he could lead the team in sacks with eight or nine. I, I, I think he's a, a special talent on the inside, on, on their interior, and uh, he gets a chance to rush the quarterback uh, in a different way than he was in college, and, and I think that where he's being utilized right now is, you know, really the opportunity, kind of comparing it to the Bryce Butler situation. I was, I was saying how you got to get kind of almost lucky and be in the right right spot, and I think from Lee Collins, that absolutely is for him. And the next would be DeMarcus Lawrence. If he stays healthy, uh, he, he will lead the team in sacks if he stays healthy. Uh, he is their best pure pass rusher. And in drills, you know, that's where we really get to see the offense and defense go hard against each other, these individual one-on-one drills. And when he gets a chance to go against Tyron Smith, I mean, Tyron Smith has the upper hand. I mean, he's arguably the best left tackle in football. But Lawrence has the most success of anybody against him. And, and just even in individual drills against bags and things like that, like you can just tell he's on a different level. But he, again, has dealt with injuries. It's about is he going to be healthy. If he is, he leads the team in fact. Tyrone Crawford would be the third one. He's kind of their you kind of do everything defensive lineman that plays on the inside can play on the outside. I think he'll be the other starting uh, defensive end on the opposite of Lawrence. 
and if he's healthy again, another guy that's dealt with with injuries coming off a uh, off season sh- shoulder surgery. If he's healthy, he's another guy that you know he could be six, seven, eight sack guys. So those three are the ones that are right up the top, and then the other starter will be uh, Cedric Thornton will be at the one technique, and um, they they like what what he gives, and and you know that's kind of the position on this defensive line and Rod Marinelli Rod Marinelli scheme where you just kind of you don't get any of the glory. You're kind of just in there as a run stopper and things like that. Uh, so I think those four will be your starters uh, week one. John, you've been out there for, what, two, three weeks now. You're starting to hit the dog days of camp. How nice is it, though, to have football be top of mind after the opening week where everything was so chaotic with Lucky Whitehead and Jason Garrett being at odds with the media? And also, does it feel like the Hall of Fame weekend was sort of a reset button for the football aspect of training camp this year? Yeah, I do, uh, for sure. And But with the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, you guys know, it's, it's one of those things that you just, I don't know, you almost never get comfortable it's with that it, because yeah. you know it's not going to last long. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and, you know, for me, as a writer, I want to write about football. That's that's why I like doing what I do. I I, I really don't enjoy having to constantly, uh, you know, write a story about Ezekiel Elliott and go back and, and make sure that I didn't forget any of the things that he did when he got in trouble off the field. But you have to do that. But it's clearly not. So I would rather not have to do that. You know, I would rather that all they do is play football, and I can just cover that. But with this team, you know, that's not going to happen. I mean, that just, you know, that's just part of it. And so I say that. But in saying that, then you know, like we said, when this show's over, something's going to come down with Zeke, and then we're then that's going to be the topic of the day, and probably for the rest of camp. Well, John, thanks for the time today. I know you're probably chomping at the bit for preseason game number two, which is still four or five days away as we record this. But uh, thanks for the time today, and we will talk to you soon. And when you get back to uh, the Star, we'll see you then. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Johnny. Here he goes. Now, Machado the morning think, news. You think John, who's a uh, Michigan guy, you think he was, he was too easy on Taco? Uh, no, he, he, you know, we didn't really prolong that, that whole thing, but I'm glad you brought that up, you know, uh, cause obviously I really respect Brian Broaddison and what he says. Oh yeah. And, and mm-hmm. one of the, what he said about, um, Taco was interesting. He, he said you, you, the little bit I, I've seen of Taco Charlton when he was at Michigan and then, and, and the, in the clips and things you see, even when he was making a sack, I was stunned at how slow he looked. Uh, he didn't defensive. look. He didn't look quick at all against Arizona. That was no. my big takeaway. I looked at two things. I looked at him and I looked at Jonathan Cooper in that game, and that was it. That was the only things he really needed to watch yeah. as far as this season goes. He just, you know, the, it's the short steps for such a big man. I mean, you know, he just doesn't like he has a, a good base and and is able to do things. And and what uh, what Brian talked about was the fact that there's absolutely no technique. That he's just trying to get by on his size and athletic ability and strength, and and you know he's not he's not that talented to do that. So basically, what he's saying is, if he develops some techniques and if he does different things instead of just relying on the same technique over and over and over, you know, I'm talking about things like what they call swim moves and stuff like mm-hmm. that with your arms and spin moves and stuff that you would do. I don't, I mean, I don't know all the the the, the, the terminology. You're sure dealing with all the hand fighting. Put your shirt and back on. We don't need to see swim. Uh-huh. We don't. Need to I'm not see, doing that. You look like you're swimming. I'm not doing a Putin <laughs> thing here. It, is that the problem? Is that he's not doing any of that now? And it's like so. So it disturbs me that you have to know who you are, you know, and you can't be laboring under the impression, oh, I'm a star, I'm a first-round draft pick, 
I don't have to do all these things. I can just get by. So that's disturbing from the get-go right there. So, uh, you know, it doesn't mean he can't develop these things. Uh, and maybe if he does, and maybe if he the light goes on and he becomes a hard worker and does all those things, then he can be something. Uh, but the way Brian put it was is that if he's not, he's just a guy. And it went by that he means it's just you're just on a roster, and you get the feeling it's a a bunch of just a guys yes. in the front seven right yeah. now. And yeah. you have Sean Lee, which is great. Not now I do like Malik. What he said about Malik, hey, Malik Collins, Collins so. and we'll see what Tapper has after being out for a year. But it, it's a little underwhelming, and it causes oh, some concern. Absolutely. And then you couple that with completely uprooting your secondary and throwing a bunch of kids back there. I feel like that that's the and maybe because all the Zeke stuffs out there and all the chaos in the first week of camp. That's the one lingering issue. It, I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones, but and I'm, I'm uh, on the expressions of your faces. I'm guessing you don't. <laughs> but you know, there's all this infighting between the families of you know trying to you know grasp power. However, there's this is, over- it a, is there a mafia show? There, there's no, no. It's not, just don't worry, Barry. <laughs> there's this overarching problem where there's these you know zombies, the White Walkers, that are going to pretty much try to eradicate what? the human population. That's the big problem that nobody ever wants to address. And I feel like with camp and all the things surrounding it, the secondary is possibly, or really the defense as a whole, is the big problem that nobody wants to address because there's all these other little flashpoints that distract us. Well, uh, is there still a lot of nudity in Game of Thrones? Sure are some. Uh, Not as much as there was early on. <laughs> you know, we used, to, we used to try to watch that and my daughter would come in the room and I just I just couldn't sit there and watch it <laughs> with, with her and, and my wife. And it, it was, yeah, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. But but uh, you're right because here's the thing uh, and you always go into a season based on what happened the last season. But what we see in the NFL is that teams do this yeah. a lot. Right? What is that? People, this up is a podcast. Down. Up and down. They're up and down a lot. Okay. okay? This is why we should be doing this on And on they have FaceTime. a first place schedule. They're facing yes. the AFC West this year. That's a tough draw. And, man, I just, I've never, I haven't really thought this has been a dominant defense at really any because point it hasn't been. during no, Jason no. Garrett's time here as head coach. The last no. great, really plus defense, pressure defense they had was under Wade Phillips. Right. And they've just sort of gotten by. And I wonder if this defense can even get by, especially with the tough. Uh, start to the season with New York and Denver, and it doesn't get much easier after that. What, will Will Zeke be playing against New York and Denver? That that might that might make be a difference. That's maker. the big question. I think that uh, the NFL is. I think the NFL is looking bad by not making a decision, and if they do nothing. I feel like they put so much time and resources in, they feel like they have to do something, and they might not have enough. And if that's the case, then you know they're going to have quite a fight from Jerry Jones and the Cowboys if you know they, they dole out some token punishment. It's because they they've done an investigation. But don't don't we think? I'm wondering if in some ways they're doing this on purpose. What do you mean? Well, make him sweat a little bit, you know. Make him sit around and wonder what what's your penalty going to be. Uh, because you know I have no idea what they're going to do. If they if they didn't give him a penalty at all, I wouldn't be surprised. If they gave him a four game, I would be surprised. No, if it was two if it was two games, uh, I wouldn't be that surprised and, by and that. And maybe either. I don't know enough. But can they just find him? Is it, can, can they do that? Can they just find a guy? Can, right. I, I think the commissioner can do whatever he wants to do. You know, I, I think they feel like the, the uh, that's possible. I don't know. Uh, but it, I mean, he's know. still on a rookie deal, so it's not like – I mean, he's he's making a lot of money elsewhere too, I'm sure, with endorsements and whatnot. But to take away some money from a rookie contract, that might have a bigger impact than, say, what you might want to throw on like a guy like Des Bryant or one mm-hmm. of the offensive linemen that's making a ton of money. Right. Yeah, it's, that's possible, I guess. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I, I don't know why it, it takes so long because I, I had I don't believe that there's somebody coming in to the commissioner every day he's waiting on this PI to come in with all this information that he's dug up about Ezekiel Elliott what more could they know after 
I, I, going on 13 months of an investigation. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I, I suppose it's possible you're trying to vet this with your lawyers or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. And I'm going to check Twitter just to, just to check and make sure this hasn't broken as we oh, speak. Because look, then we'd have to start the podcast all we, over. We would have to. <laughs> nobody wants to do that today, especially after 39 minutes in, you know? Yeah. Well, right. it, it's certainly all possible, and I, but I, I, I do think – yeah, they like to let him twist in the wind a little bit here. They, they feel, you know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out now and said, okay, there's nothing. You know, there's no penalty. But but we let you think about it for a while. We let you know. Is that, is that how you dealt with your kids? Yeah, no, that, you're not, that, I'm not that disciplinary type. anymore. No, I, so I'm, this I'm, is a wait till dad gets home situation. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm always the type that just jumped right on it. You know, I, I can't sit around and wait for stuff. Overreacted like several times. Yeah, a little. Okay, not not not. Not severely, but a little overreaction, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Sean, you want to take us out of this? Yeah. That's a- now we're, 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 we're drowning. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys football, a story we will continue to track here at the Dallas Morning yes, News. Yes, we will. All right, that's been another edition of the Ballsy Podcast. Thanks to John Machado out there at camp. Machado. Uh, Machado. Did I say Machado? Yeah, Machado, Machado. You say Machado. We say Machado. We say Machado. Yeah. Tomato, tomato, potato. Okay. No. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, for Evan. Actually, Evan, Barry, and Kevin. Evan, oh don't my give God! Evan Actually, any... you know what? Let's tease Evan because if you want to tune into the Ranger podcast, Evan was on, and uh, he uh, he droned on for a good forty minutes. He so droned on. So, so if you want to hear some, uh, you were here, Otani. You were here. I just want to point out, you were here for for ninety percent of it and refused to get yes. on that podcast. It was yes. just protest against. Once Evan. once the show is established, adding extra voices, I feel like is sloppy radio or sloppy podcasting in this case. I've got my standards. Every man has a code. <laughs> okay, the, there are different standards here than at uh, sports radio. What's the name of the station? Yeah, because we're like the gold standard for broadcasting. Sports over radio, thirteen ten, the ticket, and ninety six seven FM. Hey, everybody listens to the FM signal now. Does anybody gotta, listen to thirteen? My kid, I, I get, I get in my kid's about, car again. I hate honestly, to bring this up. They're listening on thirteen ten, and I don't that's understand where I it. I think our metrics break down about seventy five percent of the people listen to the FM side now. Really, compared to what it used to be, yeah. It's a much better signal. It's good to have a good signal for once in our lifetime. <laughs> you know, you don't have to keep – I have a clock radio in my house. I keep having to turn it to, to listen to the ticket. You yeah. know, like, or you can stream the Sports Day Talk app, which, you know. You're listening you – we, 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 we are media partners here. Mar- oh, Mark you, you got the, have you got the big, big Philco at home that you uh, – you're, you're <laughs> No, I have, this, I, have this, I have this – yeah, I do. <laughs> I, well, I have a, I have a the kids a are all sitting around the radio. I, I, have a, I have a clock radio, and it, it'll be the, the the signal will be good. Not only from all the stations, the signal will be good for like five minutes, and all of a sudden I'm listening to suddenly three it's other, Tejano. Yeah. It's it's like kids three come other on in, we're gonna listen to FDR. <laughs> <laughs> a little fireside chat. Well, thanks wow. for being part of this fireside chat as we talk Cowboys, and uh, do we have college football coming up next, or is that it? This week? No, that's it for this no, week. Kevin okay. failed us. Next week, maybe we'll talk college football yes, again. We will. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Like us, favorite us, do whatever you can on social media, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.